This is Wrestling for the Faith. Wrestling for the Faith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wrestling for the Faith. I'm Casey, and today I am joined by a few good men. <laughs> so I'll introduce first uh, the baby coach, Riley Myers. This is his podcast debut, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man of many words he is. <laughs> but uh, this is Coach and Dennis' baby boy. He's not much of a baby anymore. He's uh, over six feet tall and uh, quite a big football player. And so, but anyway, also we have. Hey, everybody! There it is, Josh Stroop and Cody Rhodes Stroop. That's Connor Stroop. These two from the After Amen podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. I uh, want to first start off by apologizing about last week, uh, missing an episode. I know we've done that in times past. And uh, so I'm just going to throw it out. Uh, if we miss a week or we're late on an episode, uh, you know, our goal is to continue hitting every Friday. But. The way my schedule has been lately, it's been so hectic and so tight. Uh, the weeks have just been slipping by me, and so uh, you know sometimes you gotta you got all kinds of stuff that you are juggling. And so if if we become a little more sporadic than usual or or late, you know, please forgive us. But uh, you know, stay subscribed and stay tuned in because uh, we can. We plan to continue uh, throwing out the regular episodes as regularly as our schedules will allow. Hopefully, that'll still be every Friday. But like I said, if we hit and miss here and there, we do apologize. Just just hang in there with us. Life happens. Life, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Life happens. So. Anything special on you guys' mind today? What about what about this? So, Coach was with me week before last, and we discussed WrestleMania 39. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Coach, you know, of course, me and him are both wrestling fans, but uh, being in the business, have a little more insider perspective. So, I'd like to get you guys' thoughts on WrestleMania 39, what you thought of it, it'd be more from a fan perspective and, and maybe a little different perspective than what we were giving on the podcast. So uh, you guys just chime in. What was your favorite things? What was your highlights? What did you enjoy? What did you not enjoy? Um, My favorite match was Gunther, Sheamus, and Drew McIntyre. Good old hard-hitting. Hard-hitting UK wrestling. <laughs> just... Beat brutal, <laughs> just beating the mess out of one of them. That, that was my favorite match at Clash of the Castle was Sheamus and Gunther. So I already knew I was going to like this yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, I guess my negative would be people like L.A. Knight, Bobby Lashley, not getting to shine on on the big stage there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know I feel like L.A. Knight's a a huge fan favorite right now. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of being swept under the rug. Riley? The Rhea and Charlotte match. I really like that one. Yeah. It was it was very good. And, you know, I I believe that it probably took the actual main event spot uh of, of night one. At least night one, yeah. Mm-hmm. It should have been on last. I was yeah. I was thinking that because like you have if you're gonna do two nights and you've got two rumbles the whole idea of the Rumble is whoever wins it main events it. Mm-hmm. And so if you have two main events, why not have both the Rumble winners going last? Yeah. You know, that's I've never thought about that, but that is actually good. That's mm-hmm. a good thought. Mm-hmm. And technically, I believe that, yeah, you're right. That should have been the main event. It proved to be the best match of the night. Uh, yeah. I know a lot of people might disagree and they don't like it. And listen, I'm not really a fan of women's <clears throat> wrestling. Uh, I'm not... I'm not totally against it, uh, but, you know, there's only a few of them who can really mesh up in a match and yeah. and and really go, mm-hmm. you know. And so 
I'm not that big of a fan of it. Um, but this one did, did excellent. And I mean, you know, there's Charlotte is, you know, you look at her matches with Rhea in the past, look at her matches with Sasha Banks, you know, I mean, they can uh, step up and put on some clinics. Yeah. yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So uh, I do believe that this Charlotte and Rhea match was very good. I believe that it should have went on last. It should have been considered the main event being for the title. And as you said, Connor, the winner of the Women's Royal Rumble, Rhea Ripley, going against the champion. So that only makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think when my – because when I was really little – like, you know, it was still Divas Championship time, and women's wrestling was basically a joke. Yeah. When I realized that it was really swapping, and, like, some of these people could really put on, and like you said, it's only a select few that are really, really that good. But the triple threat they had between Sasha, um, Becky, and Charlotte at that mania was um, when, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is really good. Yeah. So, what did y'all think about the uh, tag match? Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens against the Usos. Um, honestly, I would have liked to see the Usos win, but I understand because I think they might have had a riot if Sami didn't win, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. because of how over he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> against all odds. I thought I thought the match I thought the match was uh, was pretty good. I believe it did what it needed to do. Yeah. Uh, I do believe that the Usos are better tag team champions and will prove to be better tag team champions than than Sammy and Kevin. But for the story that they were telling, I believe that it was good. It was a solid match. One complaint. And I'm hearing more and more people say this, but those guys, all of them, well, I'm not sure about Sammy, but I know both Usos and Kevin Owens, they throw like 30 super kicks a match. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's getting ridiculous. It yeah. Is. It is. Because that was like that was Shawn Michaels. Like Once he hit that, the match was pretty much over. He retired Ric Flair. I don't talk about the new matches. He retired <laughs> Ric Flair yeah. with that move. Yeah. And, and now it's just every other move. <laughs> and you may get some hate mail from me saying this, but they're turning into the Young Bucks. Ooh. That's all the young books do Oof. is super kicks. Oof. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, Belt and the picks for us. yeah. Well, I don't. I don't understand it. Like the super kick, I throw it rarely. Yeah. But when I do, it's a desperation. Big one, two kick out or it's a finish yeah and when when sean used it and even going back before him chris adams who to my knowledge was the originator of using the super kick and and using it as a finish when somebody got hit with that lights out Mm -hmm. it was protected now they just stumble around for a second. Well, it's 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 kind of like the DDT. The DDT exactly. used to be uh, yeah. a finisher, the and now it's driver. just a transition move. Right. Mm. Well, and it, it's like this. There's an old saying, and I know a lot of the guys don't go by this anymore, but the way I was taught, less is more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, um, a recent match uh, that I was in with Brent Banner at uh, Renegade Championship Wrestling – there was this one part where, you know, he had mentioned to me, I'm going to go to throw you in the cage, block it. Or no, I was going to throw him into the cage. He was going to block it. And then he said, I'll give you a few elbows, you know, to break it. I said, no, you give me one, <laughs> one big one. And I went to ram him into the cage. He blocks it. And then... He gives me, he rares back and gives me one big elbow to the gut. Yeah. And I come up a foot off the off the canvas and sold it. Yeah. 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 That's the key. And, that, you know, I, I've been taught this by many, many people, but one that comes to mind to me is Ricky Morton. 
of the Rock and Roll Express. Every time I've been in the ring with Ricky, the, he don't care what we're doing. You know, it don't matter. There's just always a spot where he says, give me this big move, whether it's a big slam or whatever it is. He says, and give me time to sell. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that is a key to wrestling that is missing mm -hmm. in a lot of matches today. A lot of guys, they think if I punch somebody 20 times, then it's more effective. Yeah. But I say if you rear back and punch somebody in the forehead one time and then he sells it like a million bucks and you're sitting there shaking <laughs> your hand like you just broke your hand over his head. He's got a heck of a right hand. That's really more effective. <laughs> well, also, like, think about the ending of the match. Like, instead of hitting their finisher one time, they hit it three times now. Like, that's how you know the match is going to end. Yeah. Like, Sammy hit the haluba kick three times to end the match. And it's got to be three. The the whole thing of a finisher is, it is a finisher. It finishes the match, not three of them. And, like, as much as I love Cody Rhodes, he does the crossroads three mm -hmm. times usually to end, end a match. Like, I don't know why that's a thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm noticing more and more. That Roman, even though used to, Roman would throw around spears like left and right all the time. Roman, I think, hit two in that match against um, Cody. Mm -hmm. And one was a near fall, and one was the end. And I understand the false finishes. They're great for crowd pop, but they're so overdone right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They do it 57 times. Yeah. I mean, let's spread them out and make people not expect it. Mm -hmm. Something that a lot of the guys uh, in today's wrestling don't like is the way I was taught growing up in the business. And, uh, you know, you hear a lot of the older guys talk about it is the more you do, the more you're going to have to do. Yeah. So. You think of uh, recently, and I, I didn't watch the match, but I just watched the clip of it happening. Uh, but in AEW, Dante Martin and Pentagon was about to do, like I think, a Canadian destroyer off the ropes through some tables to the floor or something like that. I don't know what in the blue blazes they were doing. <laughs> but Brother... Lands wrong and does the Sid break to his leg. I mean, from the mm. below his knee, I mean, completely turns to like an L. Mm. And so that's an example of these guys getting the, oh, I've, I've done this big move that got this big pop mm -hmm. from the crowd, but also... A lot of times they're working trying to pop the boys in the back more than they are the crowd. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, oh, this got me this big reaction before, so now I've got to one-up it. Well, then, oh, that one got me an even bigger reaction, so now I've got to one-up it. And you get into situations like that where guys are killing themselves, sadly, sometimes literally, Yeah. Mm -hmm. to try to one up what they have done before and get a bigger crowd reaction when if you would just tell a story and do one or two huge things in that match then there's a lot more left to do in the future and you're not killing yourself mm -hmm. but these guys, they're to the point where they have nothing else to do except for go out match after match having to try to one-up what they did before because they can't get out. Mm, this is going to get me some hate mail. They don't know how to get over by telling a story in a match, so they got to do a bunch of high spots and dives to try to kill themselves to get a reaction. Yep. It's, but it's just I have, yeah, I have been in many, many matches, and I know there people like different stuff. But 
you go back and you watch some old school matches or, or you know, you see how they built up a story throughout the match. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, think of like a like an old first blood match. Now, you young pup, pups probably ain't <laughs> never seen one of those. But you think of it, the whole the whole point is to bust your opponent open and make him bleed. And the whole time they're out there wrestling, and then when one guy rears back, what's happening? They're blocking, <laughs> trying, trying to, to guard themselves. The story through the match. Exactly. Trying to guard themselves. And then finally, in the end, when it's time, here comes that big one, and oh, he didn't get his guard up. Boom, we're done for. But the whole time they're building and telling a story. Mm-hmm. They're not having to do all kinds of dangerous things. And listen, just getting in the ring and doing a basic wrestling match, guys, is dangerous enough. Yeah. But these kids today are in a place where they have to one up what they did before. Because they can't get over by going in there and telling a story and doing the art of professional wrestling. Yeah. And, and I think about like a guy, say, his finishing move is a figure four leg lock. And the whole match, he's working an arm. Yeah. Work a body part. Mm-hmm. Work a body part to lead up to your finish. Yeah, you're getting some hate mail this time. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's just old school mentality. Yeah. But, I mean, it's what it's what works. It's what has worked for years. And, I mean, wrestling has evolved. And I'm not one of those who say, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater and all the dives are nonsense and all yeah. the – but I, I don't think – uh, that it's good that it has come to the place where guys feel obligated to go out and do things that could potentially paralyze or kill them, uh, you know, in order to get over in a match. And, and I'll just I'll just say this straight out. Uh, I've never met the guy. He might be a great guy, and I, this is nothing against him uh, personally. But this is just a professional judgment. Somebody needs to get a hold of Tony Khan. Yeah. Somebody, uh, who, whether it's him or whoever's actually running that thing, and I don't watch it, but there have been so many injuries and near serious injuries yep. from the junk that is allowed to to be done in AEW and not just like it's not even like it's on every pay per view it's on every dynamite it's yeah. on every episode of it and right. like I, that's why I don't watch it like if you're constantly everything you do is always trying to one up something eventually you can't go no more up <laughs> well and and maybe I'm wrong about this I I might be completely wrong like I said I've never met him I don't know him but to me uh, just outside looking in. And please forgive me and any of my friends out there who do know him and you can correct me on this. If this is wrong, then, you know, feel free to. I'm not saying that I'm dogmatic on it. I'm just saying to me, it looks like Tony is a mark with money (laughs) and uh, he wants to be best friends with everybody that he hires. And he wants to hire people that he grew up watching, and he wants to be their best friend. So he wants, instead of being the boss and the leader of that company, he wants to be buddies with everybody. Therefore, he allows everybody to do whatever they want and allow the inmates to run the asylum. I said the same exact thing on our trip up here. It it reminds me of WCW. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's splashing all this money around, getting all these names to jump over, and the inmates are running the asylum. Mm-hmm. So, was you about to say something? Right? Yeah, the other thing I don't like about AEW is any match that I try to watch, they have to show blood in it. Like oh, all of them. Yeah, and like just, I like blood in matches, but not every match. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, what makes it special. It it should mean something. Yeah. When when Stone Cold passed out in the sharpshooter, he wasn't bleeding every dead gum show up until that point. 
That was a special thing that happened, which made it more believable when he passed out in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good point. It's, uh, you know, and that's... That's a that's a big thing, and I know they. Uh, I feel like maybe AEW tries to do the exact opposite of what WWE is doing. Mm-hmm. So WWE don't do blood anymore intentionally. Uh, so, so they have a thing called blood and guts. So so <laughs> AEW wants to, you know, do the exact opposite of WWE and say, oh well, we'll give you gallons of blood in every show. Yeah, and then. WWE, you've got smart people like Hunter and like Vince and and most everybody else that's in a an office position there and an agent position who they'll pull the reins back on guys whenever they're wanting to do stupid stuff. They'll you know they'll let them do something to get their moment and to get their but they're going to make sure that it is done as safely as possible. And if it's something that is going to try to, or something that could potentially really hurt that person, the WWE office cares more about that. And I know people don't like hearing this. WWE's office cares more about that person's livelihood than them just getting over in a single match. Because if they're not there, they can't make money. And I'll give you an example. I've heard Mick Foley talk about the infamous Hell in a Cell match that he got thrown off and, like, Taker thought he was dead at one part. Um, Vince, after the match, walked up to Foley and said, he said, I love you. He said, but I never want to see that again. Mm -hmm. Never. It's there. There needs to be some boundaries. There's no sense in guys um, almost killing themselves for trying to get over in one single match. And and when stuff like that happens early in a card, it's hard to follow things like that. Yeah. And, and people behind you are trying to one up you, and it just makes it that more dangerous. Yeah. It is. So. If any anybody that knows him personally, uh, or maybe has his ear, somebody needs to get a hold of Tony Khan and, and telling him pull the reins back on some of these guys uh, and don't let them go out there and kill themselves. Yeah, he can come on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll get him on the podcast. <laughs> he would never come on the podcast. <laughs> but anyway, so you mentioned Hell in a Cell. Let's go back to WrestleMania. So uh, I know you're a big Edge fan. So big Edge. What was your thoughts on the uh, Finn and Edge Hell in a Cell match? I I really liked the match. There were and like one some of the things about it and I was talking to dad during the match about it like the spot where they took the kendo sticks and wedged Finn in the side of it to where he couldn't move so Edge could just beat him up that's not been done before to my knowledge yeah like, that was very they, innovative they I found like they yeah. found new ways to make it interesting now part of me wishes that they would have let Finn go when he got hurt or when he started bleeding but I understand that was a really big cut. Like that was a, I saw the picture of it. It was big. Yeah. Um, but it did take a lot of the wind. Yeah. It took a lot of the wind when it's, when it had to slow down. Now edge did his best in improvising. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. And on that match, I'm not saying that it was a bad match. I've not been able to get into the story. There's just nothing about it that has drawn me in. And I've been honest here on the podcast and talking to you guys, you know, when y'all ask me about stuff, the only thing that has kept my attention and made me want to turn on WWE in the last few years, and, and there was a long time that I didn't fool with it, uh, to the point, here's the thing, even when Chad was still there, you know, uh, he would text me on and say, I'm on this segment, so I'll be on around 9 o'clock or something. <laughs> and then we would turn it on. To see what he was doing and then turn it back off. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) I had absolutely no interest in watching it, and I still can't sit down and watch it. Well, you guys seen what I did a minute ago. I just sat down at Hulu and or sit down with Hulu, and we went through SmackDown in probably 10 minutes, (laughs) you know, just to kind of see what. But anyway, uh, the Bloodline story is the only thing that has – made me want to see what they're going to do. 
and because it's such an old school story that has that has time in it, slow and they burn. have took yeah slow burn. <laughs> they have took their time uh, building that story, and that's why it has meant something. That's why it's kept my attention. And I know there's a lot of people out there saying eh, it's the same old, same old. Well, those fans who claim to be old school wrestling fans obviously uh, did not, uh, as old school fans as they claim to be, uh, they don't like old school wrestling because this bloodline thing has been a story like Dusty and Flair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How many years did Dusty yeah. chase before he finally? Oh, yeah. be- okay. Yeah. You see, so that's the that's the whole point. Um, that's the old school build and what made professional wrestling the men's soap opera that yeah. everybody wanted to sit down and watch. See, me as a fan, I am 75% about the stories and 25% about the wrestling. Yeah. yeah. I'm into the stories more than I am the actual match. Right. I love the storytelling. You could have a lackluster match, but if the story is good enough to make them up, up for it, I'm still going to be upset that the match wasn't as good. Exactly. Right. But if the story got me so interested, it doesn't really matter how good the match is. I'm still going to be invested. Yeah. As a wrestler, and especially now having 20 years in the business, I am definitely much more uh, <laughs> interested in the story yeah. than getting in there and taking but, the bumps. But also, <laughs> But also, that's kind of the whole point in what we were saying a second ago about Liking when they do, when they tell a story in the ring, too, mm-hmm. more than just, it, yeah, there's good wrestling matches. I've seen good wrestling matches that just didn't have a story to it, but I mean, it was good. But like at the end of the day, I was like, eh. yeah. it was a good match. That was it. Right. So the Edge and Finn thing, there was just nothing really for me personally that I could sink my teeth into. That got me interested when I would when I would fast. There were several times that I would be fast forwarding through a Raw or SmackDown uh, trying to get to the Bloodline promos or matches or, you know, whatever they had set up uh, that I would stop on the edge and Finn Balor stuff just to see. And I would give it. Uh, a minute or two to see if it piqued my interest and yeah. it just didn't. So I'd fast forward on. I liked, I liked them bringing the demon Finn Balor back. I think, I think it was cool. And I liked, <coughs> I liked that he didn't, this is going to sound weird. I like that he didn't sell as much with it because that's the whole point is like, if he pulls it, he's supposed to pull it out like SummerSlam mania. Like for a while there, they were having him do it way too much. Yeah. And he hasn't been that in forever. And that's the entire purpose is SummerSlam mania. When you bring it out, he should be like a monster, like that can take an unusual amount of damage. The only thing that I actually like mainly disagree with with the match, and this is gonna sound weird coming from an Edge fan, I thought Edge should have lost it personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And and I'm with that match. I think I also want to see the payoff of Rhea Ripley and Beth Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yes, because they're also involved in all that. Yeah. And I hope I get that. I, I really would like to see Rhea Ripley and Beth well, Phoenix. I heard Rhea say that that was her dream match, yeah. so I yeah. would love for that match at some point, but I don't know if we'll ever get it. So I, you mentioned a minute ago the cut. I do understand it, but uh, that was a huge turnoff for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It completely lost, for me, it lost any steam mm-hmm. that I had while I was watching it. <laughs> And the only thing that I could say, and I said it, uh, you know, when me and Coach were talking about it, the only thing that I could think is <laughs> you would not see a Harley race or a Terry Funk <laughs> or somebody like that yeah. letting from, the doctors come out and stop a match from, to fix one of their cuts. From what I heard, Finn was mad that they were – but, like, they were like – they didn't give him a choice, which – in my opinion, you should give him a choice. If he says, I can go on, well, let him go and on. This might be an unpopular opinion, but if it was that bad, roll him up. Let's end it right there. That's, yeah. And I believe I instead mentioned. Of, instead of slowing the match down. That I, yeah. I believe I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, if I didn't, I've thought about it. Uh, with the Steve Austin and Owen Hart SummerSlam 97 scenario. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Steve knew something was bad wrong, mm-hmm. but. He's like, hey, you know, I can't go on, but get him over here so I can roll him up, and that way they could finish the match. I would have, I would have, I believe that 
them completely doing away with everything else that they had planned and cutting the match short would have been yep. a lot better than yeah. you know than the slowing whole, the steam of right. the match down because it it was rolling up until that point and then he throws the ladder and he lays down there and then it just like he just starts throwing <clears throat> stuff around the ring and stuff and it just like takes you completely out of the match yeah so what else let's see was there anything else good that you enjoyed getting into now uh, moving toward the uh, Cody and and Roman main event uh, I could do without without all the gaga the oh, yeah. the the extra stuff and I, I know they're trying to get people paydays and I know they're trying to bring in you know uh, stars from other uh, genres or whatever you want to call it so you know they they have snoop there and but that whole thing with him and miz and and the the pat mcafee and then shane mcmahon the next night and all, i just i, I can do without all yeah. of that there's hard-working people on that on that roster that yeah. deserve those spots like you said there. about bobby and la yeah. you could have you could have given them some time there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Those guys have put in time, put in matches. Give them their shot at wrestling. Especially Bobby. Yeah. Bobby, like, as much as L.A. Knight should have got a spot, you know, because he's so over with everybody, Bobby has been doing so much stuff, and the only thing they gave him was the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which no one cares about. <laughs> and it yeah. wasn't even on Mania. Yeah. So let's dive into the main event here. What would y'all think? Um, as a Cody fan, I went into this. I wanted Cody to win. I, from the story that was told, I believed Cody could win, but I knew he wouldn't. Being a lifelong wrestling fan, I knew he wasn't going to win. He had not had enough hard times mm-hmm. to deserve that win. I got Riley. What Riley? What do? You, what was your honest? What did you think was going to happen in that match? <clears throat> Honestly, I don't even know. <laughs> it was like I don't know. You didn't really. Have I didn't really know who was going to win. I was convinced Cody was going to win, yeah. but at the same time, imagining Roman without the belts at this point is just strange to even think about. But I fully thought that Cody was going to win. Like. Like I got, I got straight up swerved. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my thing from the beginning was, I love what they're doing with Cody. I believe he can be that main event player. Um, but as far as in WWE stardom, uh, he's not quite there yet. Yeah. He needed something to build him up. He needed something to make people believe that he was on Roman's level. And for him to come in, and y'all might disagree. I know I was with two of y'all uh, <coughs> when the Royal Rumble happened, and I'm pretty sure I said it while we were at y'all's house. For Cody to come in and win the dullest Royal Rumble match <laughs> of all time, uh, the only surprise was Booker T. Yeah. The only reason I won't say it was the dullest is because last year's was more dull. <laughs> I, well, I didn't watch last year's. I didn't care about But just watching that. It was. Uh, it had a lot of good wrestlers in it that, like, that did really good. But, like, they ruined the biggest surprise was they there, could have had. Was there anyone else in that match who you thought was going to win and go to WrestleMania besides Cody? No. At, see, that's the that's my point. That's what I mean by dull. Yeah, that's true. Think about the old days, and I know y'all wasn't around for them, but Josh will know what I mean. Back in the day, you had your final four was Austin, Sid, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, Austin, Rock, Triple H, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you're, and you're just sitting there like, Cena who's going to win? You didn't know who was going to win. Right. When you got that, those kind of people left in the Final Four. And so, yep. yeah, they. I think they did right by it coming down to Cody and Gunther because that gives Gunther the say, boost. Gunther, but 
Gunther was the only there was, other one, but I know he's he's the IC champ. He's I don't think there was anybody match. there that truly thought that Gunther was going to win it and go on to main event <coughs> WrestleMania against Roman. I think yeah. I think the whole reason that the Rumble was wasn't what it could have been was they announced Cody coming back. I still don't think it would have meant anything. I I I think it I don't think it would have still meant as much as much. But you get down to it, and you're like, okay, I don't see anybody. You're, there's 29 people have come out. You're like, I don't see any of these people winning this Rumble. Him coming out 30 I know a big mistake. I know one of these two people. I know one of two people is about to come out. It's either Cody Rhodes, if he's healed or not, or The Rock. It's one of these and two. whoever it is. And whoever winning. it is is winning. <laughs> yeah. So... And then you have your massive pop, who, which, I mean, yeah, once he gets in the ring, you know he's going to win. But it makes... It it makes it a whole different ball game from what it ended up being, where it's thirty and he we all know it's him because there wasn't even that much of a pop because like I'm not yelling because I'm surprised it's Cody because I know it's Cody he's the only person left. Yeah. So going back to what I was saying, if anybody believed that Cody was going to or for Cody to, I'm not saying that they could not have done this. They very well could have. They've done more stupid things in the past, <laughs> but for for. Cody to come in and win the dullest uh, Royal Rumble in history and then just go straight to WrestleMania and beat the most dominant WWE champion in recent history on his first try would have been the stupidest mistake because all of you Cody hardcore fans, after two months, (laughs) you would have been like, you know what? I was really glad that he won, but that was the most boring story. I mean, he comes back at WrestleMania last year, has a couple of good matches with Rollins, then gets hurt, and then comes back, wins the Rumble, and then wins at WrestleMania. The one thing that I will say, I agree. Y'all would have turned on him like a bunch of rabid Wolverines. I agree. And I'm not talking about Benoit. The one... I'm talking the about one, the legit ones. The one thing that I will say is that... I guess that, he was pretty legit, though. Is that when Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns were in the ring with the mics, I did not give a care about a hoot. the story. Up a, yeah, the, I didn't give a hoot <laughs> about the story up until now. They were When they were in the ring cutting promos on each other, it was gold. But like you said, if Cody had won... All the air would have went out. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I, I it's all yeah. about the baby face chasing the heel. Right. Just like I was talking earlier about Sammy and Kevin. They had all this. Everybody wanted Sammy to win. Everybody wanted them to win the titles. But now look at them. They're two just, weeks later, now they're like, eh, they're "This just, is boring. Put yeah. them back on the Usos." Yeah. <laughs> they're they're boring now. I think, Which I oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I I wanted the Usos to win, but I knew that Sammy was going to win. Yeah. Like I said, I felt like there would have been a riot. Yeah. But I don't want them to hold it for long because if they hold it for long, it's just like those titles aren't going to mean anything anymore. And the Usos made them mean something. Yeah, they did. Uh, I think with Cody and Reigns, if Cody wouldn't have got hurt, I think – him winning at WrestleMania would have been better because then the story yeah. would have been built up. It, and yeah. it, it is highly possible that they could have yeah. built that in that time frame. But with what they had to work with, I don't believe that in most fans' eyes uh, that Cody was a believable uh, contender to Roman until WrestleMania. I believe that match did exactly what it was designed to do, and it it made people believe that Cody and Roman were on the same level. And and they perfected a professional wrestling match in that. Yeah. They built it from the ground up and told a story from the, the very beginning. And, you know, great false finishes and, and all kinds of stuff that they put into it. It was a very good match, and they did very good with it. And I believe... As I have said in the past, if the right people stay in power, then uh, they will, um, you know, eventually fans will probably get what they want when the time is right and Cody will beat Roman. 
which I think is good for them putting him with Brock because if if he ends up beating Brock clean, uh, yeah, that's going to establish him as hey, he's the the real deal. Mm-hmm. He can beat Roman because mm-hmm. if he can handle Brock, he can handle Roman. Yeah. Anything else on that? Forty minutes in. <laughs> when you let wrestling fans talk about wrestling, that's right. Well, and that's that's something too. You know, a lot of times we don't get carried away on here about wrestling, and you know, we've had people email in and ask us our opinions on different like wrestling uh, pay per views or matches or storylines or stuff like that. And you know, for a long time, and I believe with Chad, it's still this way. Uh, he just don't care anything about wrestling, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, or at least TV. I mean, he enjoys, you know, taking his bookings and, and going out and meeting the fans yeah. at live events and, and, you know, independent shows. But as far as TV stuff, he got so far burnt out on that, you know, while he was there. And I completely understand. I did the same thing in 2012. So, you know, of course, I wasn't near what he was. But, you know, uh, but we just kind of we never really felt like talking wrestling a whole whole lot yeah and so you know uh i I think it's i think it's good and that's why you know we were sitting around i was like hey y'all want to record uh because i i like getting a fan's perspective and I also like bursting y'all's bubble with the truth. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, if you want to talk wrestling, just invite us. We will talk about wrestling. <laughs> That's right. Well, how about some Jesus? Okay. <laughs> so, we, uh, just a reminder, the first weekend in August, uh, we have the Remnant Youth Retreat coming up. Um, Riley Boy, Connor, y'all were both there last year. Uh, give us some give us some thoughts on the retreat. You want to go or you want me to go? Go first. <laughs> um, mm, that was that's that's a big question. There there was so much that happened. I think for me, one of the big things about being a Christian nowadays is there is so much. I like I like to say we live in what what I call a microwave society. Mm-hmm. Everything's just quick, fast, like constantly go 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 go. And my favorite part about the youth retreat, and it was actually ironically the part that I was most nervous about, is because I live six and a half hours away from here, and I was six and a half hours away from my whole family. And so the idea of no phones, no technology, like all this stuff being taken away is like, it's kind of scary in a way. But then when, when you do that and you get those distractions out of the way and you just take a weekend to just sit and like some of the most powerful moments we had all weekend long were sitting in silence. Mm-hmm. Like the first, I, I remember the first night we got there. And, um, we were, they were kind of going over everything and we were sitting there and we were praying. And then, um, Casey gets kind of quiet in the prayer and Miss Denna, Mama D starts just singing how he loves. Mm -hmm. And then like that was, he was supposed to, the whole plan, our our plan (laughs) was, Casey pray, we go back to the cabin, just kind of get settled in for the night before we start the day tomorrow. Mm-hmm. God's plan was not that. Right. <laughs> we He went from praying to, I think we were in there for an hour or two more, just like worshiping and stuff. And then once we got back to the cabins, we unloaded our stuff and all went and sat around the picnic tables and stuff. And we would sit in silence for a little bit and then start singing and sit in silence and start singing. And some of the most powerful moments that happened were just sitting in that silence and just listening. Cause I think that's something that we don't do enough. Like if you're sometimes if we're praying or if we're doing something, if we're spending time with God, we want to have some, like some, some noise on or something like that. But sometimes you just need to sit in silence and listen to, to what God's trying to tell you. And that was to me just taking all the, 
the noise and all that away and just kind of focusing in on God. That was what spoke to me the most, honestly. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite part was when we were all in that big circle and we were just, you know, talking and just people go, it was just, um, everyone was sharing their ideas, what they struggled with. And then the stuff that I came out and said that I struggled with, I felt really good to let all that go. Cause Mm -hmm. like I've told my parents, but then to say it in front of, how many ever people we had, which right. was a lot, uh, it would felt really good because then maybe I could help someone with the stuff they were struggling with and the same thing I was struggling with. We yeah. could collaborate. I, I, I definitely agree. That was my other big one. Wow, that took so long to pick what I wanted to say because like both were so good. But like that was a lot of walls broke down that night. And um, it, it makes me think of First John, I think it's eight and nine, one, eight and nine, um, talks about bringing things out of the darkness and into the light. And <clears throat> sin can't survive in the light. Mm-hmm. Like, and in the darkness, it thrives, but in the light, it, it, it's going to die. And the, the longer you keep it in the darkness and away from everything, the more it's going to uh, build and grow and start to control you. But the second you bring that into the light, it starts to be diminished and and you you start to get control over that. Like you let you feed your spirit more and your spirit is what leads you and not your flesh. You're mm-hmm. you're not you're not bound by your flesh. You're not a slave to the sin anymore. You're you know, you're free. And true freedom is not what the world classifies as freedom, because that's not free. That is bondage as bondage gets. True freedom is when you're like I can't fix this. I can't control these things. God, I'm giving them to you. Mm-hmm. And he just like breaks the chains off of everything in your life. And most of the time he's going to set you around a core of, of believers to help build you up. I mean, dad's favorite verse, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, yeah. iron sharpens iron. One that I keep coming back to Ecclesiastes four, nine and 10 talks about how if why two is better than one because if one falls and he has the other one to lift him up like and then who you have around you is so big according to first corinthians it talks about evil um company corrupting your good habits like Mm -hmm. there are so many things and that's why the youth retreat is so powerful because like you're around people who are there are a lot of people who are very strong in their faith and there's some people who are struggling in the same way that you are and you realize, Hey, I'm not alone in this. Like I can be there for them and they can be there for me. Like I don't, I don't gotta bear the burden of it on my own because even though we can cast our cares on God and he is enough for us, sometimes in the natural, it's easy to get caught up in natural things. It's easy to get caught up in the weight that you feel like you're carrying and having someone there to help lift you up and help take that weight off of you and being like, hey, you're not alone in this. That is, that's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Was you going to say something? Uh, it's, it's good to open up um, struggles to other people also because you don't want to hold all that in because that's when the depression and exactly. the suicidal thoughts and all this other stuff can come into play. Whether you believe in God or not, if you have any struggles, you need to talk to someone uh, so you don't have these thoughts. Yeah, uh, always. That's yeah. a very good point. You know, And that's what the enemy tries to do. He <clears throat> always tries to convince uh, someone, hey, you know, you're supposed to, whether you're a Christian, you know, a lot of times from a Christian perspective, he's like, oh, you're supposed to be a strong man or woman of God, or you're a preacher. You know, you can't tell people that you're struggling with this, or you can't tell people that you've done this. You know, they'll look at you funny, or what kind of faith is that? If you, you know, so he's the accuser of the brethren. He accuses you of all these things and, and tries to keep your mouth shut. And with anybody else, you know, that's his goal is to try to make people uh, keep their thoughts and their struggles to themselves so that he can just get them in the corner and, and wire them out. And that's exactly what he does. Uh, Connor, you mentioned it being so scary um, 
coming up here for the remnant retreat and knowing that you were not going to have your phone or any technology or ways to contact anybody outside of those who were there at the retreat. Uh, Chad and I, you know, last April went uh, to man camp with Nikita Koloff and Lex Luger. And just a plug for it, um, men out there, you need to go. Um, but in that situation, we both took off, cleaned our slate for a whole week, and we got down there on Sunday afternoon and turned our phones off, put them in our bag, and didn't turn them on until Friday afternoon when we left. That was the scariest part for me uh, because keeping in contact with my family, even when I was on the road, you know, doing shows or whatever, I'm I'm still constantly texting or calling, checking in, you know. And so that was a huge thing for me. And that was what almost stopped me from going to man camp because I was like, how in the world am I going to, you know, what if something happens? What I mean, all these thoughts going through my mind. But like you said, Getting down there and spending that whole week, even though, yes, I missed my family. I missed talking to my family. I missed just being able to have my phone just in case they needed to get in touch yeah. with me. Uh, of course, in those situations, you know, I had given John and Nikita's number. If there was an emergency, she could call him. You know, mm -hmm. that was all worked out. So it wasn't like... Uh, you know, if somebody's dead, I don't find out until a week later when I get home. It's not not that kind of situation. But um, it was such a blessing. And I did not know, and I believe all the other men there will uh, say the same thing. You don't know how distracted you are mm. by the things of this world yeah. until you put them away for a few days and go without them. And so that was, you know, when we were sitting around talking about the remnant retreat, that was one of the things that me and Chad were adamant about. No, no cell phones, no technology. And I remember, I believe, uh, Jonna and Denna, or maybe just Jonna, I don't know, <laughs> but somebody said, well, no, you know, they're teenagers, they're kids, you know, we need to let them have their phones or maybe just tell them, you know, they can contact their parents at night when they get back to the cabin or something like that. And I said, no, it's got to be all or nothing because you're not going to see the, the full effects and get the full understanding of what you're missing out on with God yeah. uh, until you are missing all this technology and stuff that, that brings the world at your fingertips. Yeah. That was huge for us. And that was, uh, that was one of the first things that we decided whenever we first said, Hey, you know, the Lord's leading us to do a remnant retreat. It, that was the first thing. And then next was, and no technology. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that was, and honestly, it's because there was one time where I was at a friend's house. I didn't have my phone with me. And it was a bad situation. My One of my uncles had passed away in a motorcycle accident. And ever since then, I was terrified to not have my phone near me in case it was something like dire so like if if I felt down and reached my pocket and my and my phone wasn't there, I'd have a panic attack just about because it's like anything could have happened with me not having it there. And I think that kind of that kind of broke that weekend because it was like I realized first of all that's that's just living in fear. Mm -hmm. First first yeah. You if you're controlled by fear in your life, you're never going to have true freedom because you're letting it control all of your actions. Mhm. Mm and secondly, it's kind of pride in a way, too, because it's like by saying that, it's like I don't trust God enough that he could handle a situation like that if it were to come. Man, because true. because I want my hands all over, yeah. it, you know, and like I think 
I kind of had to realize that because dad gave me Chad's number and I, I texted Chad and he kind of encouraged me about the whole thing to help me make, help make me feel better about it because I was dead set on not going <laughs> and I'm so glad that I did. And if anybody's listening, who is planning to come, if you are dealing with that, just give that over to God because you're, it's gonna, it's going to be scary at first. Eventually, while you're sitting there, you're not even going to think about a cell phone because you're so caught up in what God has done and what God is still doing. Like you don't even think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Josh, you and Tanya are going to be it this year. (laughs) What are you looking forward to? Um, I'm just looking forward to getting away from the hustle and bustle of everything, turning off the cell phones and just soaking in God. Mm-hmm. Just letting him lead the way and letting him speak to me. I'm telling you, I remember at, at man camp and I mean, even even at the remnant retreat. But I remember specifically at man camp, you know, there were days that we would go out alone and pray. Yeah. And just just spend time with the Lord by ourselves out in the woods, whatever. <clears throat> and being away from all of that technology after a few days Man, I was sitting in the woods, and I would hear God speak to me through a leaf that was falling <laughs> to the ground from a tree. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, it's barely making, you can't even hear a noise in it. Yeah. But just, it's amazing how when you shut out all of this stuff that distracts us, it's amazing how easily and clearly you can hear God. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I tell people now uh, a whole lot. Uh, Oh, I can't hear from God. God never speaks to me. God never answers my prayer. Well, do you ever pick up your Bible? That's one. (laughs) And then number two, um, how much time are you focused on your phone, on your Facebook, on your Instagram and Twitter and all, whatever, texting your buddies and talking and jibber-jabber. How much are you focused on that? Are you really wanting to hear from God? Are you turn listening? the phone on. And, yeah, <laughs> turn the phone off and, and go get alone. And, and he, don't, he just, don't just make it for just an hour or so. Yeah. Turn it off and go get alone with him for a while. If you are really listening to him, he will convict you more on that too because I... Even after the youth retreat, even after I was like, okay, I can, I, I realized how not having my phone on me 24-7 is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I would sit down and have my quiet time or whatever. But there was this one specific time, I think it was like last October or November. I don't remember, exactly remember when it was. But I was, I was having quiet time and I was, I was reading something at my desk in my room. And my phone was sitting there. It was just charging. And I wasn't really paying any attention, but I I got, I had Snapchat at the time, and I got a Snapchat notification. I stopped reading my Bible, (laughs) went over and picked up my phone to respond, and immediately God checked me and said, why is that notification more important than your time with me? Uh And I was like, whoa. Uh (laughs) And he continued to work on me and now I have barely any social media on my phone. I only have what I have because of certain things that I have from like I'm currently promoting a missions trip on there that I'm going on and like other things. Notifications on that are off. Yeah. <laughs> but like it is so freeing to not be so caught up in your phone 24/7 because everybody is. Yeah. Right. Definitely. You guys got anything else? No. All right. Awesome episode. I believe, I believe, uh, man, this was fun. It was. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah. So anybody uh, out there, if you are in the area, we would love to have you. Kingdom Family Gathering Sundays at 5 p.m. at the Boys and Girls Club. It's 280 Campbell Road, Benton, Tennessee. Everyone is welcome. Feel free to come and join us anytime that you would like. Um, And also, if you have any questions, thoughts, comments, prayer requests, praise reports, email us at wrestlingforthefaith at gmail.com. And also, be sure to check out our friends at the After Amen podcast and 
our old buddy Terry Skaggs with Testimonies with Terry. He's having some awesome episodes. So, guys, we love all of you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Wrestling for the Faith. Don't forget to follow Casey Cage on Twitter at RealCaseyCage. Follow Chad Lale on Twitter at CWLale underscore Gunner. And follow the show at Facebook.com slash Wrestling for the Faith.